Sports Radio 104.3 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. Good morning. I'm broadcasting from northern Minnesota, very close to Lake Bemidji, in the town of Bemidji. This is uh, Karen. Of course, you're all familiar with Karen, my wife, producer, co-host on the television show, and she's done quite a bit on-air radio with me, too. This is her hometown. I actually, I actually, well, I used to say I grew up here, but Karen reminds me I just got older in Minnesota that I never grew up. But my uh, hometown, uh, same one as Bob Dylan, by the way, is uh, it's about 90 miles from here, Karen, about 90 miles from here, about an hour and a half drive. But this is old home. Last week, I took the drive down to meet my lifetime fishing partner, Greg Claudio, that we've been fishing together since we were two years old. Um, we're cousins. We've been in the industry together. We've been in the music industry together. We've <clears throat> traveled and done a lot of things together, but mostly we've fished and hunted together our whole lives. And it's always great to see him. We we live, you know, 1,200 miles apart now, but when we get together, it's very, it's a very satisfying thing. We caught a bunch of fish yesterday. We caught a nice group of walleyes, nothing huge, but a bunch of good fish. And <clears throat> we uh, lost track of the number of pike we caught. No giants, but constant action. And we had a great time in the boat just catching fish and bantering. I'll, I'll post something on Facebook uh, about that uh, sometime this weekend. We got a lot of fishing in Colorado to cover. The rains have come. The runoff is running. The water levels are up. The rivers are up. We're going to talk about all of that. Cooler weather and fishing should stay good for a long time. Rivers may be a little blown out. We'll talk about that, too. And then we have a few other topics to cover. So let's go to the phones and kind of get things kicked off here. Joining us from Brad Peterson Outdoors is Brad Peterson. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. Oh, like I just said Brad Peterson like four times in a row. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know I, I'm sure you were listening to the Open, but it's a dip. Every year now we're saying it's a different year, but spring in one way or another seems to come at a different way and summer eases in in a different way. We get wet, we get cold, then all of a sudden we get dry, we get hot. But it's been a pretty wet, cool spring. And that's uh, done wonders for the water levels. It's a, and I'm sure it's affecting the fishing too. Yeah, it has. We uh, after last year's dry conditions that we had, I tell you what, uh, it is a true blessing to have a wet year like this that has allowed all of our lakes along the kind of northeast part of the state to fill back up and be sitting in really good condition. And um, what I'm hearing talking to a bunch of the farmers out in the Northeast is they've had enough moisture. They still aren't going to need to place a call on the river for a while to irrigate. So I expect these lake levels to stay pretty good, uh, at least through the month of June here. Now, what about the ponds? I, I haven't gone out and checked cause I've been traveling and doing other things. Um, I'll be back, uh, middle of this week and, I'm going to get out and start doing more fishing in Colorado and checking things. But a lot of times, I, don't, I instead of taking my boat out, I like to head out and fish bass and panfish and even stock trout in the ponds. Are the ponds were slow to fill up this year? Have you been able to notice anything there? You know, it 
it varies a little bit. The ponds that are ditch fed, a lot of those have not been getting water just because the ditches have not been running to fill them up yet. The ponds that are uh, sub, uh, you know, the water comes up from below, those have all kind of filled up because we have so much water in the water table right now that those have definitely got up to a high level, so they're doing well. And the nice thing about this kind of cooler, uh, wet weather that we've been having is the ponds that get, you know, that, that mossed over real early in the summer and make it really difficult to fish, that's kind of been held back still. So you're getting a longer time to fish some of those ponds that maybe normally by this time of year uh, might be a little bit challenging to get get to the fish. Now, I haven't checked, I said, but I would think that a lot of the ponds, the bluegills are still on the beds. And without that weed cover on top, that moss that's hard to fish through, this might be a great time to hit those ponds for bluegills. Yeah, the bluegills are definitely, you know, either getting on the beds or still on the beds in most of the areas. I would say, you know, you've got probably another week of that going on before uh, the temperatures kind of change and, and that gets wrapped up. But that is a great time of year to get out there, get some action, catch some fish with kids. Uh, remember to kind of practice per, uh, selective harvest when you're doing that because this is the time of year that those bluegills are producing the bluegills that you're going to catch, you know, the young of the year, the fish that you're going to be catching three, four years down the road. So if you go in there and, and take a bunch of fish off those beds, you're going to be hurting that pond for numerous years to come. But the other thing is really good this time of year when they are up on the bed is you can get a real good feel for what the size distribution is in a pond. You know, some of them, some ponds are full of just real small bluegill and some have better size ones in them. And when they're up on the beds, you can see a lot of those fish and get a better feel for uh, what the sizes are within each given pond. You know, and it's a great time with the rivers still pretty blown out in a lot of places. Not that you can't fish the rivers. And we'll talk a little bit about that off and on during the day. But um, a lot of times fly fishermen wait. This is a great time for them to go up in the mountains and fish trout. But it's also a great time for them to fish the warm water, bluegills and bass in the ponds and lakes. Great time for fly fishermen to work the still water. Let's kind of go through some of the bites you're seeing out there, both good and bad. Take us through what you're seeing. You know, the northeast, the I-76 corridor, due to the low water that we had last year, they're still fishing tough. I don't know if the fish got lost with the low water, uh, whether it just because we haven't had the real warm temperatures, the lakes haven't warmed up enough to get the bites going. But if I was going to go out that I-76 corridor, I'd probably target Pruitt being the primary one. All the lakes are full, but the bites just aren't really good. So if you have a choice, I would stick along the northern front range area. That, that has been fishing phenomenal. You know, we can start up north. Douglas has got a good bite going for the sauger up there and for panfish up in the shallows. So that's a good one that often gets overlooked by people. It's a smaller lake, so on the weekends when the bigger uh, state parks and Larimer County parks are crowded with recreational boats, 
it's a place that you can go, get out, do a little fishing, and get away from the big crowds there. Then moving a little bit further south, you've got Horse Tooth. Then Horse Tooth is still coming up. It's probably about four feet from full pool. The smallmouth are just in the process of wrapping up spawning, and so they are ready to eat. So I tell you what, it is a the next few weeks are going to be peak time to go out and catch a lot of smallmouth up along the shorelines at Horse Tooth, anywhere from 10 feet and shallower. Uh, I was out there earlier this week and did really good pitching jigs and just little plastics, kind of like the jig worms that you'd use up in Minnesota or uh, paddle tails. And then uh, talked to some guys that were out there fly fishing, and they were catching some nice smallmouth, you know, up to that 16-inch range, uh, pitching shorelines with flies, little streamers. So you've got that going on, and I was able to find a, a deeper trolling bite for some of the bigger trout. Uh, they're kind of in that uh, 20 to 30-foot range below the schools of smelt. So that is worth taking a look. Come a little bit further south, and uh, Boyd Lake has finally reached capacity. It is as full as they can get it. They've shut the ditch off. So there is a ton of cover along the shoreline that has been flooded. Now, it's all just recently flooded, so the fish haven't quite moved in there. But if you target that 6 to 10-foot range, you're going to be able to catch walleye, perch, bluegill, and the large and smallmouth bass are kind of in that depth range. And I would expect the bass to start pushing shallow here in the next week or so as they get accustomed to all the new stuff that's flooded. And a little bit further south, Carter, the walleyes are doing good, fishing kind of the west shoreline, uh, fish the structure, the points, the rocks there. Uh, They're really starting to turn on, and there's some nicer-sized ones, a lot of those 18 to 20-inchers. The last one I'll kind of touch on is Union down by Longmont. It's... um, the wipers have really turned on, and there is a lot of those 14-and-a-half to 15-inch wipers, and then you can get into some up to 20 to 25 inches there, and they're hitting uh, bottom bouncers and spinners or crankbaits, and, and while you're doing that, you're picking up a decent number of walleye as well. So that northern front range area, that's where I would concentrate my effort. You know... I want to talk about you brought you mentioned Carter, Horsetooth and Boyd all fishing fairly well and all full of water or close to full. Three lakes that are in the same region couldn't fish more differently from each other than those three though, as far as the available forage, the location of the fish, and the topography of the lake. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. You know, you've got the the forage that smelled up in horse tooth and, and a lot of smallmouth bass, and so it kind of changes the way that lake fishes, whereas Carter doesn't have a whole lot of flor- forage in, in the lake. It's a lot more sterile, uh, clear, colder, so the fish are going to relate a lot more to the shorelines there. They don't go out and suspend as much. And then Boyd's more of a, of a shallow water lake, and a lot of shoreline cover, so fish are going to be up in that area. So, yeah, you have to, you know, go back to the to the old FLP system we all learned back in the 80s and 90s from the in fishermen and evaluate each lake you're going to separate because you could go to fish walleyes at Horsetooth, Boyd, and Carter, 
and each one of them at the same time of year, you're going to be using it potentially a different presentation to catch those fish. Yeah. And they'll be positioned differently because uh, the number one influence, you know, we always used to joke fish, fish only have two activities. They eat and have sex and they only do the sex part for a short period every year. The rest of the time it's about survival. They're not down there playing pickup basketball or chess. They're, they're going to find comfortable places when they're not eating. And when they're eating, they're going to have to find ways to go where the food is. And in all three of those lakes, it's so different. You know, a lot of guys will come out here from the Midwest. And I'm out here in Minnesota right now. We were walleye and pike fishing yesterday. Had a really good time. Uh, but if, if they came to those lakes, they might do really well one day. And then we'd have a two or three foot water change, a forage spawn. And it would do completely different. Where here, these fish get more pattern into patterns you can follow. They move, but they're used to where's the break line, where's the weed line. I mean, if, if the water changes a foot here, it's dramatic. And the forage base is pretty solid. It's the same. And you have defined weed edges because the water levels don't change. So you know where that weed edge is. And a lot of people read the stuff that even I used to write for in Fisherman in the past or some of the things you did when you were there. Or they watched the videos we did when we were back there. <clears throat> and it's really, you've got to, there's good information in those, but applying it to the Western reservoirs is a whole different ball game. That it is. You know, one of the big things, and you kind of touched on it, is the forage back there a lot of the times is perch, uh, minnows, you know, panfish. Those, once they get set up in their summer pattern, they don't move. Whereas out here, the shad, the smelt, those are known for moving drastic distances on our bodies of water. I mean, the wind changes, moves the plankton, and the shad can be all on the north side of Boyd one day, and the next morning you come up, and you won't see a shad anywhere on that north side. They'll all be on the south side. So you have to be a lot more open-minded when you're an angler out in Colorado as far as, okay, I know what the fish are looking for, but and looking for that food you may have to change where you're fishing and uh, possibly your presentation as well because our lakes do change so much quicker than a lot of other places around the country. Brad, we are out of time. If somebody wants to book a trip or they just want more information from your, you do a NOCO report on fishing that comes out once a week, how do they find you and get your report and book trips? Uh, if you're looking at booking a trip, you can find me at Brad Peterson Outdoors on Facebook or give me a call at 303-829-3998. And if you want to get the fishing report, it's nocofishingnews.substack.com. Sign up. It's free. And uh, I kind of do weekly updates about uh, the current bites, conditions on the bodies of water, and then also other general things going on where CPW stocking fish meetings coming up that fishermen might be interested in. So good resource there for those that fish the uh, northern part of Colorado. All right. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Terry. This is Brad Peterson. Hey, by the way, speaking of fishing reports, you know, we had sporadic Colorado Parks and Wildlife fishing reports. They're hiring new personnel trying to get that straightened out. They actually have issued another fishing report yesterday. That's two in a row in two weeks. Karen has it posted on our Facebook page. 
Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, and that'll give you up-to-date state reports. It'll give you stocking reports and fishing surveys. So the Colorado Fishing Report, the brand-new one from yesterday, is on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. We're going to take a time out. We come back, we're going to change things up and talk about some different kinds of activities in Colorado. Right here on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan.